Trick or treat, everyone. It's Betsy, and here's the spooky offerings we have coming up in the Popping Collars feed for October 2021. On a ghoulish episode of Popping Collars, we weigh in on the most famous and sometimes infamous examples of religious horror movies. Will all four hosts just pick The Exorcist over and over again? Listen and find out if you dare. Greg compiled a whole new panel of guests for this month's episode of The Canon. They dive into the fiendish works of Al Pacino. Going on 30 years, the finish line of movies from 1990 with a look back at the terrifying classic Pretty Woman. Finally, special guest Stephen McHale returns on The Sacred Six to discuss the most horrifying Beatles album of all time, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Turn the lights on, lock your doors. The call may be coming from inside the house and keep those collars popped. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where we say who, we say when, say how much with movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. Because this month, we're looking at Pretty Woman, La Mujer Bella. (laughs) Right? All right. (laughs) I, I really don't feel I have the authority to answer that question. Everybody comes to Hollywood, got a dream. What's your dream? When I was a little girl, I would pretend I was a princess trapped in the tower, and then this knight on a white horse would come charging up and rescue me. Could you tell me how to get to Beverly Hills? Sure, for five bucks. You can't charge me for directions. I can do anything I want to, baby. I am lost. All right, okay. You have change for 20? For 20, I'll show you a person. You kidding me? I come here all the time. Well, color me happy. There's a sofa in here for two. Close your mouth, dear. Who is this girl? Does she work? She's in sales. Touchstone Pictures presents the story of a date. Isn't a date, it's business. That led to a deal. I have a business proposition for you. I'm going to be in town until Sunday. I'd like you to spend the week with me. (laughs) That's becoming a dream come true. Time to shop. Give it your gum. All right. I don't believe you did that. You're going to be spending an obscene amount of money in here. So we're going to need a lot more help sucking up to us because that's what we really like. Oh. You understand me? Sir, if I may say so, you're in the right store and the right city, for that matter. There are two people who have no business being together. Everybody is trying to land him. Well, I'm not trying to land him. I'm just using him for sex. Just doing a little business. <laughs> company I'm buying this week, I'm getting for the bargain price of about $1 billion. A billion dollars? Your folks must be really proud, huh? Everything was going their way. Well done! Well done! Walk, walk, walk! Until... I don't want you to go. You hurt me. Yes. Don't do it again. Something unexpected happened. What the hell is wrong with you this week? You fell in love with him? Did I not teach you anything? Look, I'm not stupid, okay? I'm... I'm not in love with him. I can find you an apartment and get you a car. I want more. I want the fairy tale. I think you are a very special woman. Your dream come true. 
Touchstone Pictures presents Richard Gere. So what happened after? He climbed up the tower and rescued her. Julia Roberts. She rescues him right back. Pretty Woman. Maybe you guys could, like, um, get a house together. Buy some diamonds. <laughs> I have a brief description of this movie. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please. When a millionaire wheeler dealer enters a business contract with a Hollywood sex worker, Vivian Ward, he loses his heart in the bargain. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I threw up in my mouth a little bit <laughs> when you said that one. I did yeah. not write that one. That was not an original. No. That's, uh, that's quite the quite the description of this movie. I am appreciating the use of sex worker. I think I may have changed the original word. I hope you did. (laughs) (sighs) All right, Betsy, uh, what is your history with Pretty Woman? Uh, I want to say because of the topic, I did not watch it in the theater at the age I was when it came out. So because this is this rated R? I think so. I think so. Right. Yes. Rated R for sexuality in some language and uh, passing references to drug use. I feel like I must have watched it like a sleepover at somebody's house. My favorite memory, though, about this movie actually is the story my sister tells about this movie that my father will not corroborate. She said that dad made her watch. She wanted to watch the movie, but he said she had to watch it with a parent. So they watched this movie together. And she said the piano scene was very traumatic. I remember my mother making me watch Dirty Dancing with her. Okay, uh, Dirty Dancing, not nearly as bad. To watch with a parent. I'm just I don't, I don't know, Greg. Some of those that that scene in the dancing studio. Um, I'm just thinking you're thinking the, too much roadhouse and not enough. You're you no, gotta really I'm, get in the hub. I'm thinking that there's in dirty dancing, there's not a scene coming even close to the Jason Alexander scene from this movie. Just victimization mm. of women that we kind of take for took for granted in the 80s and 90s and before and beyond which was on on fire in this movie too. What about you? What was your experience? Okay. So yeah, I was, I was, man, I was ready to move on to my hot takes. I haven't even talked about my history with the movie. Okay. So this was in the, the VHS collection. Hold on. Tom Cruise is not in this movie. Tom Cruise is not in this movie, but you want to know why you want to know why? Oh, wait, there aren't lifts tall enough that he can be in a movie with Julia Roberts. Have they ever been in a movie together? I don't think so. Mm-mm. To the best of my knowledge, they have not been in a movie together. Okay, so this was because Richard Gere is adjunct to Tom Cruise. Uh, Richard the, Gere. The thinking person's Tom Cruise. Exactly. <laughs> so, for instance, Pretty Woman was in the VHS collection and An Officer and a Gentleman was in the VHS collection. Okay. So, okay. Richard Gere was around. He was okay. Tom Cruise adjacent. Got it. Okay, so hot takes about the movie. General thoughts, what do you got? This movie is built on cliche. Mm -hmm. Tired, worn out cliches. I'm going to give you a few that just came to mind while I was watching this that I could hear batted around inside the script and maybe even in the writer's room. Because I will say there are some elements of this movie that are interesting to me in the way they're written and the way they're well done, the way Richard Gere's character is developed. Mm-hmm. Like how his backstory is shared without a ton. With, it's a there's a lot there, but not a lot is actually had to be said. Dealing in cliches. One would be hooker with a heart of gold. Uh-huh. The other is rags to riches. Uh-huh. 
other is Diamond in the Rough. Okay. And then the last one that came to mind was The Love of a Good Woman. All right. So that it's all because we're dealing with we're dealing with sex work. Right. Yeah. This and, is not pretty. This is, uh, by the way, this is Hollywood, right? Which I don't know if people have ever actually been to Hollywood. People have this image of Hollywood as like, oh my gosh, it's where the stars are and blah, blah. Hollywood is a rough neighborhood. <laughs> it is really rough. And, Hollywood is rough. And for me to believe that Vivian and Kit have been yeah. able to really release themselves of yeah. having a a man, a pimp, whatever work was saying, be in control mm-hmm. of their careers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this line of work and that they're just deciding they're calling the shots and they haven't had like the crap beat out of them for that. Right. You know, there's a lot of darkness here. I mean, oh, yeah. But then it's weird. We start with the strange Hank Azaria drop in with a dead body in a dumpster at the beginning of this movie. Like, what is even the genre of this film? <laughs> OK, so uh, I think I think I have an answer to that. Are you ready oh, for my answer? I'm ready. It's a Disney princess movie for adults. Yes. Well, because I watched it. Actually, I said my my almost 14 year old said, can I watch this movie with you? Uh-huh. And I said, oh, OK, OK. From what I can remember, you know, we'll, we'll see if it's the same experience <laughs> my sister and father had. I don't know. But we, <laughs> we watched it. And she with the moment when we're dealing with her learning all the different silverware. Uh-huh. Ruby said to me, she said, Hector Elizondo did that same scene in the Princess Diaries. <laughs> the same actor, same role, but it's Anne Hathaway instead of Julia Roberts. And I said, you, you're right. And yes, so I, I, I like that it is. We like a makeover story. I mean, The Little Mermaid was out like right around this time. Yeah. Right. So it just switch sex worker for fish woman, and you've got kind of the same story, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just. Ugh. I have four hot takes. None of them are okay. particularly deep, however. Okay. Great. Uh, first hot take, and it should be said uh, Richard Gere and Julia Roberts have great chemistry. They do. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, um, and I wrote down as a subheading of that. This is a movie star movie, which man, how great is it to watch a movie star movie as opposed Mm -hmm. to like a Marvel movie or a star Wars movie or Mm -hmm. a mission impossible movie. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I wrote said, it feels like a fantasy version of the Trump maples affair that would have been going on around this time. Now that sounds like I'm disparaging Marla Maples and I don't mean to do that. I'm not equating her with like a sex worker or anything, just that she was like a weather person or something. Right. Yeah. There was always this, 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 this portrayal of her as being a little low rent. Yeah. She was nowhere near like Ivana Trump, who was like this big, big name uh, in New York, you know, society. society. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think that this is probably how Donald Trump sees himself in the world is like the Richard Gere character that's in this movie. Uh, fun fact, at yeah. the end of this movie, when this movie was over, I watched it on Hulu and Hulu asked me if I wanted to watch the Tom Cruise classic cocktail after <laughs> after watching this movie. I said, listen, no, thank listen, you, Listen, the algorithm on your Hulu is strong. I think it knows. It, it has read you and scanned you properly. And it knows. 
I said, no, thank you, Hulu. Uh, but do you have Days of Thunder? <laughs> oh, you're still sad that we didn't nominate Days of Thunder for this year. I feel it and I feel having, the regret. Having watched this movie, I kind of want to go back on this movie and do Days of Thunder. But here is the thing, though. You are right. It is the acting in this movie. Mm-hmm. It is the two of them mm-hmm. that carry the film. Yes. Finally, the last hot take, Betsy. The It Must Have Been Love video was mm-hmm. in heavy rotation on MTV. Rock was, set, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when that yeah. song started up, all of a sudden I was flashing back to like 13-year-old Greg seeing Vivian in the back of the cab, kind of like soapy bubbles its way into yes. like the singers singing and stuff like that. It made me think, Betsy, I have a top 10 I list yep. this time. There's no time for honorable mentions. We can't get sidetracked. <laughs> you made it the top 10. Top 10 music videos from movies that were in heavy rotation on MTV. In, in 1990? No, nah, just all time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this feels a little broad, but okay. I'll okay. go with it. Number all right, 10. what's number 10? Number 10. I don't want to miss a thing from Armageddon performed by Aerosmith. Yeah. Number nine. Wild Wild West from the film Wild Wild West. Yeah. By Will Smith. Got it. Number eight. Lose Yourself from the film Eight Mile by Eminem. Could have been released on its own. Didn't need Eight Mile as a movie. Uh, Number seven. Now, again, I'm not saying these are the best. I'm saying these were in heavy rotation on MTV. Okay. Number seven. Kiss from a Rose from the Batman Forever soundtrack by Seal. I can't believe it's only at seven. Okay, six. Six, Gangsta's Paradise from Dangerous Minds, performed by Coolio. I mean, giving backward chair sitting just the real credit it deserves. All right, number five. Number five, Everything I Do, I Do It For You from Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Prince of With our good friend and talented (laughs) film director, Kevin Costner. Performed by Brian Adams. For Brian Adams, Canadian Brian Adams. All right, number four. Ghostbusters. From the movie Ghostbusters, performed by Ray Parker Jr., I was terrified of this music video. <laughs> what? What were you scared? You were you scared of Slimer? You, no, I was scared you know? of the. I was scared of the ghost in the taxi cab. Yes, was, that one looked crazy to me. Didn't like it. All right, number three. Number three, I will always love you. From the Bodyguard, performed by Whitney Houston. Yes, so good. Uh, second place. Number two, When Doves Cry from Purple Rain, performed by Prince. As a matter of fact, this was all I ever knew about the movie Purple Rain for most of my life mm-hmm. until I finally watched the movie Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just clips from this video. Yes. Yeah, because it was like the film felt very dark and scary. Like, I don't know. Whether I could, yeah, because I was like 10 when that came mm-hmm. out. Okay. And then, so number one. Number one music video that was in heavy rotation on MTV that's from a movie, You Could Be Mine, from Terminator 2, performed by Guns N' Roses. I can't believe Titanic didn't make it on your list. Oh, no. No. I never saw that video. Come on. Maybe I was watching the wrong MTV at the time. Yeah. You can't hear that flute suddenly in your head right now? I know you can. That's your number 11 honorable mention. Okay, back to the hot takes. It portrays itself as this like feminine empowering movie. Right. And maybe that's what they thought that feminine empowering looks like in 1989, 1990. 
And if it is, it's still sad. Best scene I got from the movie. Two of them in the bathtub. Well, my mother was a music teacher. And married my father, whose family was extremely wealthy. Then he divorced my mother to be with another woman. And he took his money with him. And then she died. I was very angry with him. It cost me $10,000 in therapy to say that sentence. I was very angry with him. I do it very well, don't I? I'll say it again. I was very angry with him. Hello, my name is Mr. Lewis. I am very angry with my father. I would have been angry at $10,000. My father was president of the third company I ever took over. I bought it. I sold it off piece by piece. What did the shrink say? So I was cured. Well, so you got even. That must have made you happy. Did I mention my leg is 44 inches from hip to toe? So basically, we're talking about 88 inches of therapy wrapped around you for the bargain price of $3,000. Interestingly written, like when he finally says, you know, I'm mad. I was angry with my father. It took me 10 years of therapy to say that I was angry at my father. And it's just, it's well, it's, it gives you more about these characters and like, I don't know, talking about the Richard Gere character in general, you know, how they make, how they make you like him, how we see his inner struggle and, all of that. And because I also couldn't remember how he and Vivian actually got together. I'm like, is he leaving this party? He's so pissed off. He's going to go hire a sex worker. Like, how do they even get together? And it's this so happenstancey directions, whatever. Again, glossing over real issues, glossing over real issues. But anyway, I like that scene. And then her, she says her two legs are, you know, whatever number of inches of therapy. Right. You know, whatever. It's, it's a, he's very good in that. See, she's very good. In that. I, again, these actors are great. Whatever you say about the movie, these actors are great. Uh, my best scene is the scene in Barney's office. And what is your name, miss? What do you want it to be? Don't play with me, young lady. Vivian. Thank you. Vivian. Well, Miss Vivian, the things that go on in other hotels don't happen at the Regent Beverly Wilshire. Now, Mr. Lewis, however, is a very special customer, and we like to think of our special customers as friends. Now, as a customer, we would expect Mr. Lewis to sign in any additional guests, but as a friend, we're willing to overlook it. Now, I'm assuming that you're a relative? Yes. I thought so. Then you must be his... Niece? Of course. Naturally, when Mr. Lewis leaves, I won't see you in this hotel again. I assume you have no other uncles here? Good, then we understand each other. I, would also I, I, th- I just think, and this is going to bleed into best performance, but I think Hector Elizondo is just kind of having a good time in this movie. And he stands out to me as like, okay, so Betsy, mm. I was an ER person in the mid-90s. I was not a Chicago Hope person. Oh, Oh, I no. liked Mandy Patinkin and I, I like I, I enjoy him a lot. I enjoy him. I've enjoyed him even more so since, you know, Homeland, et cetera. But I was not a Chicago Hope guy. So no. I kind of felt like I was out on the Hector Elizondo train. And so when I saw him again in this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I like that guy. 
I really I like do like that guy. I did find his his performance. This it was this interesting. It was this classist, the role that you play and what he did with that part, right? The role that you play in your life, right? He is the muckety muck of the hotel, mm-hmm. right? He's the manager. He has a whole group of people who, yes, Mister, you know, did all kowtow to him. You know, but whenever Richard Gere's character comes around, he becomes, oh yes, sir. And that moment where he's like, was going to hand him his card, but didn't, and it's like he kind of shrinks back. And so him being a powerful person in one moment and then a vulnerable person in another moment who is who is who can easily be quashed by the good friend of the hotel, you know, uh, Mr. Lewis. Mm-hmm. So but then, you know, it, and to some people, he's Mr. Thompson and to other people, he's Barney. Uh, who is your best performance of the mayor? Best performance. That's hard. We can agree it's not Jason Alexander. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Time out on the Jason Alexander he did his job. thing for just a second. Yes. If I were Jason Alexander's agent, there is no way I would have given him this role. I would not have even allowed him to look at the script for this. Um, especially like because you're talking early Seinfeld. So you've got early Seinfeld checks coming in. I just yeah. think that with his career, this feels like the worst decision that he made. As an actor, who wants this role? This role is a loser of a role. Oh my gosh. He done a weird Harry Hamlin TV miniseries in 1988, and then it's Pretty Woman. Okay. But Seinfeld was 90. I mean, okay. So Seinfeld was started like right around this time. He would have been known as George by this point. Started in 89. Yeah. But it was a slow burn. I mean, it was a slow beginning. Right. Yeah. Seinfeld's I mean, first you, season. Wait, was- come on. You look at this bill. You're going to turn down a Richard Gere. And yep. I know they weren't Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. This is the first yep. time they yep. were Richard Gere and Julia Roberts together. Yep. I'm turning down this role. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> let, you know, let somebody else do this role. Let, uh, uh, well, no, that, I was, <laughs> you know, the first name that popped in my head was Eric Roberts. And I was like, let Eric Roberts do this role. Okay, no, that's, like, that's no, 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 hang on. <laughs> no, I think there was something about him being short and kind of, uh, you know, that that was all a part of it. And right. that he's because because he's trying to portray this climber and he's trying to be, you know, in the way he orders his wife around and everything. I, I think I think my best actor is the chemistry between gear and and Roberts. Yeah, I think. Like that moment where like Ruby had never seen this movie before, but she said, oh, oh, I know this scene because she comes out in the red dress. Right. And they're getting ready to fly up to the opera. Yeah. And and she said he clo- he's going to give her some jewelry. He's going to close the box in her hand and she's going to react because she didn't know he was going to do that. He improv that. Don't look OK. Mm. Hmm? Something's missing. Well, nothing else is going to fit into this dress, I'll tell you that. Maybe something in this box. I don't want you to get too excited. It's only on loan. Yeah. Like, how do you know that? Like, how is that? Because it is it is one of those iconic scenes when she looks down that fire escape at him and her billowy, billowy hair surrounds her face. 
And she kind of does her, I could even do it like with my shoulders, you know, and I'm like, there is just iconic movie scenes in this movie, but she goes, her head goes under in the bathtub and her uncouthness and, and the way they, they play off each other. It again is stepping into all these other cliches, but they, that jewelry scene is great. I mean, I was watching it again this time, and I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yep. I know exactly what it looks like. It's still fun every single time. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, their chemistry is great. Mm-hmm. I got some stats about the movie. Stats, 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 stats. Pretty Woman opened on March 23rd, 1990. Okay. March 23rd? No, I'm trying to think. This of is a would... spring break release? Uh, what would have been happening in March? I have no idea. Uh, this Easter. When would, you, when would you have released this movie? <laughs> Is this a summer movie? I think it's a summer movie. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a summer movie. But here we go. Domestic gross yeah. of $178 million, making it the number four grossing movie of 1990. It is the number 266th top grossing movie of all time. I am really much more helpful about this Trinity. Okay, what do we got? This is an interesting one because it comes between uh, you get Pretty Woman, which comes between Men in Black 3. I can't say I saw Men in Black 3. I mean, I'm going to have to look it up. I'm pretty sure I may have seen Men in Black 2, but I have no idea what happens in it. And Hitch. Also starring Will Smith. So you get Will Smith, Pretty Woman, Will Smith. Where are you going? (laughs) I'm going to flirt with Hitch because that feels like that's what that movie's about. Because, I mean, because you got cute people. Is that Kevin James? Is that Kevin James? It is, but it's Eva Mendes and Amber Valletta. We're talking Will Smith is a dating coach for Kevin James, right? I mean, okay, hold, okay, hold on. Now that you kind of say it that way, let me let me do my backtrack a little bit. Uh, what if I flirt with pretty woman? Okay. Mary <laughs> and kill Hitch. <laughs> so there we go. Wow. <laughs> Wow is right. That was, wow. I'm just thinking about the long-term stability of the men in black job. Like they really, I mean, there's going to be no shortage of aliens. They look nice in suits and the sunglasses. I think that's Wait, the one with Josh Brolin in it. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm starting to remember men in black three. I was just about to say Josh Brolin's in men in black. 3. Yes. Okay. That can't be that bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I was actually, I was going to go the way that you were probably originally going to go. I'm okay. going to flirt with Hitch. I'm going to marry Pretty Woman. I'm going to kill Men kill in Black in 3. Black. <laughs> but you're not going to be able to kill them. It's not going to happen for you. <laughs> well, I won't remember that I killed them. That's the that's the thing. This movie got a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Really low. Roger Ebert. What do you think, Betsy? There are times when he is able to resist the spell of a film, mm-hmm. but I feel like this is not one of those times. This is not one of those times. <laughs> Roger yes. Ebert says, this is the sweetest and most open-hearted love fable since The Princess Bride. Three and a half out of four stars. Oh, 
God. Come on, Raj. Raj was caught up in the moment. He was caught up in the moment. That it must have been love came on and Raj was just bawling in his popcorn. Janet Maslin, film and literary critic at the New York Times, says, it is something special. Four out of five stars. I wanted that to be sarcasm. (laughs) It's something special. But no. Janet also. Uh, so maybe we're wrong about this movie. I don't know. How did it do at the Oscars? Right? See, look at look at a gaslighting us. Look at this. It's just, <laughs> come on. Okay. Okay. So how did it do at the Oscars? It had no wins at the Oscars, but it did have one nomination. Who was it for, Betsy? Is it original song? No, it's a person. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Julia uh, Roberts, best actress. Best, She's actress. best actress now. For this movie. Fine. after he climbed up the tower and rescued her she rescues him right back all right let's talk about the legacy of this film because i think that this will answer a little bit of why this movie is actually on our list this year Mm -hmm. Uh, which is so i wrote down damsel mythology this idea of like you know the knight climbing the tower to rescue the princess that kind of thing but that she but then they try to inject that whatever sort of feminism shot they try. And then she rescues him right back. Like there's this, you know, element that they're both damaged in some way. And actually even I would say the movie would say he's more damaged Mm -hmm. because it's definitely centered around his trauma and not Mm -hmm. around her trauma. Yeah. Straight up. We've been having some fun at the beginning of this podcast, but um, I would say that probably more than, just about any movie that we've watched so far, this movie may be why we're doing this series mm-hmm. because it takes a long time to see the footprint of some of this entertainment that mm-hmm. comes out. 10 years ago, I think that Pretty Woman would not have been viewed as a problematic film. Yeah. Certainly 15 years ago. I mean, fine. there's so much in it that is assumption that you're just assuming that this is the way the world works. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to saying, you know, this doesn't seem right. You know, why do men always slap you across the face in just that right place? Do they pull you all aside or out of class to teach you how to do that? Like mm-hmm. with that line, mm-hmm. so exposing. Yet I do not remember that. Yeah. I remember him smacking her around, but I did not remember that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I could even you have a phrase like that, smacking somebody around that sounds so dismissive. Right. Of actual physical violence. Well, just think of how she's passed around as a character. It's like, okay, well, I need a date to go with me to this business meeting. Oh, now I met that guy at this business meeting. So, hey, hey, Vivian, come look at my horse and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, 
she's just a she's an object for and the way yeah most is of it, the male characters in this movie and the way though that she's also with somebody who is also treated as an object mm-hmm. that richard gear though he is white ma- masculine male and rich and powerful you know all the women are like well he's the catch that nobody's landed yet mm-hmm. he's the golden goose for jason alexander's lawyer character you know there's this element that they're both objectified in some way too mm-hmm. which i find i hadn't thought about before yeah you're really bringing a lot more pathos to richard gear's character <laughs> what is that see what has it done to me i don't know why do i give two rips about this wealthy sad boy the sad boy and maybe some of that is that's another trope of movies is the sad damaged boy that i can love back to life like that sort of idea too okay let me ask you a question can all of this you know kind of you know this 30 years later conversation that we're having about this movie can it all be summed up as the internet gave us more perspectives to explain how something goes from being beloved to being problematic in 30 years well i don't know whether i'd just say it's the internet but yeah i think just yes a a presence of more perspective of having the career and lives of sex workers be something that through knowledge research, having friends who've, who've worked with, with that population that I now have a much different perspective on their lives. And also maybe it's being older for us to be Mm -hmm. older people to Mm -hmm. know that life is, this is escapism. Life is not this simple. It's much more complicated and there's a lot more, difficult and traumatic moments that lead people to be where they are. I mean, you, know, you and I were a friend of the pod, Becca Stevens and her work, Thistle Farms and Magdalene House. I mean, it's, you hear too much mm-hmm. to think of this as something that's can be is real. Yeah. In any way. Okay. That's, that's enough. But it does become the question talk. of if I am not looking at what, what is the hope for this movie for my life? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I hoping for for me? You know, that, you know, that someone's going to come and rescue me. Yeah. Pull me out of my drudgery. So then that begs the question, who is this movie for? This movie is for, it's an, it's an age version of Cinderella. Yep. It's for people who grew up on, on the, you know, 1950s, Disneyfied, Briar Rose, all of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for the folks who, who grew up on, that version of those stories. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like we were joking before about it being a Disney, an adult Disney movie. That's what it is. I mean, honestly, that's what it is. It's hitting the same tropes of a Disney movie. And it's, you know, sometimes we'll talk about films being escapism and that you're going into another world or whatever. This film is even in and of itself while it's being made, trying to escape from major problems going on in the city Mm -hmm. in which it is filmed. And so, you know, whether you're talking about homelessness and drugs and, I've forgotten about the drug selling in the movie and yep. skateboard kid. <laughs> oh, you know, all, I'm like, what? And then you're expecting Hank Azaria to show back up. At least I was. And he never right. comes back. So he's just out there fighting crime in Los Angeles. Right. With tourists taking pictures of crime. Scene. Right. And that guy who's who's the bookend guy, right? Like people come to Hollywood. They come to find the dreams. And, oh, that's right. You know, yeah, all that, and that sort What's of kind dream? of 
Greek chorus narrative. And is that what this is about? Is it for people who feel like their dreams have been deferred and they would like to maybe not even of their own agency, but through happenstance, change the course of their life? Uh, I wrote that this movie is for rich men who want to believe that they're the good guys. Yes. Uh, It's also for people looking for something just sweet and simple. I mean, honestly, that's what this movie is. It's a sweet movie that's very simple. Yeah. Um, And I think that there are a lot of people that like movies like that. I like movies like that. Yes. Which is why I gave this movie a three out of five. I also gave this movie (laughs) a three out of five. (laughs) Strange. Uh, I wrote, at no point can you say this movie is boring. I mean, it's a great watch. It just doesn't... It just yeah. doesn't stand up to any scrutiny, like even yeah. light scrutiny. <laughs> That's yeah, Ruby and I, we stopped watching it because we had to go to dinner or we had to go do something. And we had like the last 15 minutes of the movie left. And Ruby's like, I'm really invested. <laughs> we get back to the movie. I'm like, okay, let's watch the end. Okay, so Betsy, why did why did we nominate this movie? This was this and, oh, Miller's Crossing. Was it this, was when we this both and Miller's Crossing were the movies that you and I mm-hmm. picked as unanimous decision to get nominated. So why why would we nominate this movie? I picked this one for cultural impact, mm-hmm. longevity of this movie. Yeah. I also, for the reason that you said this is why we're doing this podcast, I mm-hmm. wanted to revisit this movie. Yeah. Absolutely, hundred percent. This is a yeah. this is a movie that has a, a large reputation. As being a, a really great movie. Makes and, all the highlight reels whenever mm-hmm. there's a montage. It's there. And this is one of those movies that you look back on, you're like, 30 years have not been great to you, by the way, pretty woman. Things take time to figure out how they're going to wash out in the popular culture. All right, that is it. Pretty woman. In the books. In the books. Betsy. Thank you for letting me drive your Lotus around Hollywood. It corners like it's on rails, by the way. I don't really know how to drive a stick shift, so you would probably have to drive the Lotus. I don't know cars. Just saying. Uh, and my up. dad and I, my dad and I did do that together. It did not go well trying to drive a stick shift. <laughs> so you can drive. Okay. Okay. I'll do my best. Next up is our last movie. Oh, I can't believe we're ending oh in the peas. I know. I know the P's are deceptive. We were so front loaded. We were so MM heavy and G's. That's right. We were so front loaded that the P's are where we're going to end things. Our last movie of 1990 is a Greg pick. It is pump up the volume. starring Christian Slater. I am going to go get my black trench coat out of my closet right now. Mm -hmm. And I just can't wait to curl up with his snarl attitude uh-huh. and all that let me ask you a question betsy how are you yeah. going to watch pump up the volume considering that this is a movie <laughs> that can can famously not be featured on any stream i haven't watched it yet on that weird link you sent me <laughs> i hope it's still there well good luck to your laptop uh after you click that link and um, <laughs> I don't tell my employer <laughs> And we will see you for Pump Up the Volume next time. Bye.